We're the Barclays. And this is our podcast, rebranded to Radical Optimism. Uh, Taylor and I are a husband and wife duo living and working in the D.C. area, and we share our radically optimistic view on politics, culture, and how Christians might think about this crazy world. And today, we are going to take on the topic of, do we still believe in the American dream? Whoa. Not just us, but the collective us of... (laughs) Americans, you know, collectively as a country, we, do we, the, the royal, royal we. we. <laughs> Taylor, do you still believe in America? The promise of America. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. Do you? I do. Do you? I do. <laughs> do, so, the, do people out there let us know? Do you listeners believe in the American dream? Um, but you wrote something about this, right? So this is based off our Substack that we are sending out today. Oh. I wrote um, a little bit about it, a topic that has been swirling kind of in the, the DC bubble on this. Read by dozens. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a handful of economists and people who work on social safety net issues and whatnot have been kind of debating this. And um, the two kind of main characters in this debate, um, one is a guy named Oren Cass, who has a think tank called the American Compass and is a little bit more in the kind of national conservative camp. And he came up with this thing called the Cost of Thriving Index. And CTI? C-O-T-I. C-O-T-I. Cost of Thriving oh, Index. Oh, okay. The of gets a full... Yes, of okay. gets a full C-O-T-I. Full and he basically wants to measure, can families afford a middle-class lifestyle? And the kind of summary finding when he goes through and measures um, kind of the main things that a family of four buys in a year. So food, housing, healthcare, transportation, and um, higher education. He asks, can a single, like a male earner, so one male earner, not a dual income house, um, can that paycheck afford these goods and services Um, now at the same rate, better or worse than back in 1985. So that would be kind of when our parents were starting families or thinking Uh about starting families. Um, So his, you know, summary is that no. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) A typical man who's working full-time in 1985, he could support a family on 40 weeks of income and still have some money left over at the end of the year. Um, He says roughly 20% of his income left over to save or use on other expenses in 1985. Um, Right. Wow. You say today that feels like this is what I'm getting. The general feeling is people are like, yeah, we can't do that today. Yes. Yes. Scott Winship, who is a scholar at the American He's character Enterprise. number two. He's character number two, the opposing character to Oren Cass. Um, he comes in and he does his own cost of thriving index. And he looks at some different measures. So Oren Cass rejects kind of inflation adjustment, um, adjusted uh, income. Okay. 
um, thinks that's not really a good way to look at it. And Scott Winship says, yes, we've got to do inflation adjusted income and expenses. Um, but Scott Winship also does some other factors. So he looks at not only inflation adjusted, but he also takes into account that taxes for a middle class family are lower today than in 1985. Oh, okay. huh. So there's less of a tax burden on families. And then he looks also at a broader group of workers. So um, younger workers and female workers in the workforce, mm-hmm. not just kind of sole male workers. Ah, okay. Um, but he kind of, for, for all of these different categories, so even when he does just male workers, he still says that um, we're better off today, even uh, by a smaller oh. margin. But when you lump everyone, younger women in, uh, younger workers and women uh-huh. in, then we're 50% better today oh. in his accounting. So, um, you know, big debate here and what of what I think one of the crucial arguments that Winship makes and then after we talk about you know this little debate we'll go into what we think but <laughs> after um Winship makes the argument that our quality uh-huh. of life is better today than 1985 so two yes. big things are um health is much the quality is better today, right? There's True. far more cures right, and right. care is much better. Um, so healthcare. Are we paying more in dollars? We are paying more, but the quality is even okay. greater. Okay, got it. Okay. <laughs> and then vehicles. <laughs> so, you know, yes. transportation costs and whatnot. So our cars are much better, nicer, better quality, which you know, actually saves lives. True. <laughs> um, so there is that factor too. So it, those are two big things that we can tell the quality is much better. Is today, there a measure but, for that? That's because kind of that's a difficult thing in these debates. It's like, you, how do you measure quality? Exactly. Exactly. So, okay. And why does this matter, Rachel? Like, <laughs> so I guess we said at the top, right? There's this general feeling of, you know, is the American dream still a thing? Feelings of malaise or, pessimism so i think there's that component but then maybe like the the dc context why does this matter it matters because um as policymakers are making public policy are they coming from a place where you look at the you know cost of living and how the middle class is doing and if you say wow it's really bad we are much worse off like we is 30 somethings are much, you know, uh-huh. family of four are much worse off than my parents were as a family of four, right? Like, then there's a big impetus to say, we've got to get social programs, um, you know, beefed up or changed or whatever. Um, if you make the argument that things are really bad for uh-huh. the middle class. Whereas if you kind of take the other approach and say that things aren't, you know, they're, they're the same or they're better then you don't really have this big impetus to, you know, spend more money. So Orrin Cass advocates, after he makes this argument, he advocates that we should be giving families like a higher child tax credit. Ah, so, okay. you know, the government should be subsidizing families greater because this cost of living is so high and that's so harmful. Okay. Um, and so he needs the argument that families are doing poorly in order to make the argument to that we've got to give them stuff. more money. Okay. So that's kind of why it matters. But 
after I get your thoughts, I'll give you kind of less why I think this, the outcomes of these measures are really that important. But what, so you hear all this, Taylor, what is your thought? Do you, who do you come down on the side of? Orin Cass or Scott Winship? I mean, they b- both make good arguments. I think the stuff that I've read from Cass, I'm, I'm definitely way more a Winship inclination. <laughs> so right, the, right. So like the, the viewpoint that progress is happening, we're living much better, higher quality of life now than even, yeah, our parents did in the 80s. Um, like the quality of our goods and yeah Services and like are you mentioned yeah what medical and transportation i saw on twitter like someone posted this old commercial for the ford aerostar minivan uh-huh. and if you remember the ford aerostar it looked like a kind of a they've like a, they made a box and then they put a triangle uh on the front of the box and like all right it's a van <laughs> extremely ugly my grandparents had one i remember <laughs> riding in it and it just had lap belts wow Lap belts, uh, no shoulder belts, no headrests wow. in the back, um, which headrests are incredibly important. Like if you get slammed, you know, forward rear collision, your neck is whipping. Oof. Your neck, your head turns into like a bullwhip. <laughs> uh, and of course, you know, there's no, so it's just like, that was just crazy dangerous. And yeah. now the quality is just, you know, just shot through the roof. I think even for like an entry level car, I think of like the Ford Focus that I bought least or you know whatever and uh early 20 teens you know entry level brand new still was like way safer it would have been yeah a luxury car in the 80s yeah like it would have been like what what is all this stuff what is bluetooth wow yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> so power windows are the norm <laughs> yeah yeah so like i think that goes a lot and that is, this is a difficult thing to measure and like there's this in my world there's like the tyler cow and the great stagnation like we there hasn't been much new innovation recently and then Brian Kaplan, this other economist, is like, what are you talking about? Like, you couldn't pay me any amount of money to go back to, like, 1992 or certainly, mm. like, 1970. Like, air conditioning, medical, transportation, entertainment. Like, yeah. so I think in this debate, all okay. So, like, we can get in the particulars. Like, Orrin Cass outlines these components. Scott Winship outlines these. I think, yeah, the quality stuff is really hard to measure, but it has to be taken into account for, like, I think even the person of the lowest income has much i mean entertainment options educational options Cell phones with the internet yeah communication call your family across the country um and maybe we can talk about this and like what kind of went into like what what is valued in these two buckets because i because I, from what i understand the studies they take five components right they take like, um, like a basket of goods or what something. Did I say housing, food cost, healthcare cost, transportation, and higher education, which I think we would look at all of these and say, you know, maybe except for housing, everything has gone up in quality. Yeah. Well, I mean, higher education, maybe, uh, I don't know. It depends. Higher education is like a weird thing. It's interesting that they have that. Yeah. Because it's, I think it's like the ability to pay for your kids to go to college. Gotcha. Oh, so I, I'm definitely, I don't know, it's interesting arguments and probably worth diving into more, but um, I'm definitely more inclined on the Winship side. So more that it kind of, we're better off, but it's, but, but I think this is kind of when I first asked you, 
there was this sense of like, yes, things are more expensive and it's harder to get by if you were a single income family today than it was right, in right, right. True. That yeah. was your that was your instinct. True, yeah. You're That's right. how you feel. Right. And I think that is how there was a great kind of Wall Street Journal opinion piece looking at this debate right after the debate happened. And that's kind of where the Wall Street Journal author came and was like, yeah, the, you know, the economic arguments of Scott Winship are more sound. However, I'm a dad of two little kids and I feel this discomfort. So like, where does it, why? I think it's because it's the things... Like, it's hard to fathom. I, I think because the quality, we're used to this quality of life. We want to afford more <laughs> goods that make us comfortable. So it's, it's like a mental thing. Well, and grocery prices are higher. Like, that has been demonstrated. Okay. Um, and so your grocery bill is high every week. That's like a feeling. Uh-huh. I mean, this is the, I mean, this is something you tell me all the time, right? Like, but because I'll say, oh, but the data and the charts yeah. are saying we're going up, and you'll say, but Taylor, people don't feel that way. And you sound like a bully. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you can't I mean, just hit people over the head with charts if they feel terrible. Right, like even though Winship's arguments are just way more sound, we just don't we don't feel it. We don't feel that we are better off than our parents were at this age. So I mean, I guess I could think of like, okay, the, the like my reaction to the cast thing. Okay, single. A male earner, yeah. In particular, not a female because of only male income, earner. yeah. Uh, twenty percent left over working for his family. Um, like, was he doing the math right there, or was like, do I need to adjust? Like, is it just in our heads? Like, we see all the potential options. <laughs> I mean, yeah. like we do. Like in the eighties, we just didn't know what we didn't have. Exactly. Right? So we're like just, you didn't know you had, didn't have a fancy car with power windows and headrests. And yeah, that was like <laughs> not a, a value. And, and you didn't know that there would be like, oh, if healthcare was more expensive, we would also have way more cures. And <laughs> so like my uncle died, but there was nothing we could do. But if you fast forwarded 25 years, 35 years, right. it's be a, alive. a lot of things you can't really feel, but you can feel grocery prices or housing honestly like housing prices i look at you know we look at what both our parents paid for their first house versus what we paid for our first house it feels like wow that's a big difference right because like inflation goes into that right too so so what do you so i help me out of the the swamp (laughs) okay so here's where i came to on this and i apologize for those who both read the Substack and listen to us you'll get this twice but i say actually it doesn't matter what what it's, what do you mean none of this matters both are backward looking <laughs> both are backward looking and okay. i i think that you could probably argue both ways till you're blue in the face right and you know for us um healthcare innovation has mattered a lot taylor and i are both alive <laughs> because true. of medical innovation it's right true. Yeah. the Taylor had a melanoma removed yep. when he was 18 and you know, just the, the knowledge about melanoma has increased so much. That's true. That yeah. Had that happened in 1985? I don't know. Would, would they have known what to, to be so cautious? I don't know. And yeah. Who knows? And you know, I obviously certainly like 1920, I just yeah. died. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. 
Um, and certainly my very rare tumor. Oh, you'd definitely be I dead. Would, I would be dead. <laughs> You've just like slowly suffocated. Yeah. Yeah. It would have been very bad. Yep. And so for us, like it's no question to me like, yeah, you know, I'd rather pay <laughs> for a higher quality of health care than be dead at 30 years old. Um, so there is this kind of, to me, it's, it's these indexes and arguing which generation had it better. Some things are better. Some things are worse. You know, I talk in the Substack piece about like the culture war stuff with our kids and the shootings in schools. Like my, our three-year-old had to do an active shooting Mm. drill at school. That's nothing I had to even think about when I was a kid. Right. Right. So that case, things are worse. (laughs) Um, So there's some things better, some things worse. And it's kind of a mixed bag. That's why I think it's the wrong question to ask of like, are things better or worse? I think the better question, a uniting question, a more important question is how do we believe in the American, how how do we create an American future that we believe in? Hmm. And so instead of this kind of, you know, kind of cherry picking items to kind of, I'm going to call it piddling around the edges. (laughs) Like no matter what, this gets you to piddling around the edges. Let's think big and how, how is the American future brighter? Uh Um, And so certainly, you know, like redistributing subsidies to American families is not that big of a change. that's going to make the American future that much brighter. So how, how do we create kind of this brighter American future. And a uh, kind of preview of the Substack is that I think right now, neither kind of leading party rhetoric from our political parties is providing that. Yeah. Like they're piddling around the edges. Like we're going to, we're going to fix the the Rube Goldberg machine, (laughs) you know, something, a machine that's so complicated that like no one quite knows how it works, but you keep adding pieces and like, 20 yes. years later, you realize like, oh, we have this giant tangled mess, but we got to trim here and here when you got to, let's just skip over it and make a whole new machine or let's <laughs> right. make, let's like, you know, craft policies so we can just don't even have to worry about the machine. <laughs> and we've talked before about like this abundance mindset. And I think right. that maybe tears up here where we think about what would make everyone so well off, either, you know, improvements in quality um, cheapening, uh, lowering, lowering the cost of material goods, uh, raising incomes, productivity, all these multifaceted things. I think that's, there's just so many components that go into it. Um, like how do we get to that mode? Right. That's what you're talking about. Right. And so that's what, Instead of being like, well, how should we subsidize families to kind of deal with this current today problem and make life slightly better for families or, you know, whatnot? Um, I think we have to be asking this broader question of how do we make America boom so that everyone does well? And we're not asking these little questions because they're irrelevant of, wow, if this family only had 2000 more dollars, they could be doing better. No, like let's have an American future where we have abundant jobs, 
more, you know, more food than we can handle, <laughs> more electricity that we can handle so that we don't have to worry about, you know, mm-hmm. shortages or prices or, you know, like, oh, we can't go on vacation this summer because gas prices are so right. high or, right. you know, whatnot. Um, so how do we grow the pie? And then, sorry, I'm doing a lot of talking this round, but I talk about how... No, you wrote, a, you wrote the piece. It's good. <laughs> um, both political parties right now are acting from this scarcity mindset. And I give two examples on the left and the right. And so on the right, you have Tucker Carlson at the presidential debates in Iowa. And he, or the mm. kind of like pre, pre-Republican primary debates and he is moderating and he questions all the candidates but the one that kind of got more airtime was mike pence Hmm. and he kind of lambasts him and says like well everything's so bad here in america right now how can you be thinking about sending tanks to ukraine and to me this just totally typified this small thinking of well, we only have everything so scarce right now. We only have enough for us. And so we can't think about our position in the world. Yes. Zero sum thinking. <laughs> Zero sum thinking. Instead of being like, let's grow the pie so yeah. that we don't have tyranny taking hold abroad, which then threatens us at home. But we're also doing a powerhouse economically at home. Yeah which is how Ronald Reagan thought, not to always be hearkening back to Ronald Reagan, but he was like, (laughs) we're going to take down the Soviet Union and we're going to grow our economy Uh, in a decade, right? Too much, Ronald. (laughs) Like, uh, let's have more thinking like that. That's a vision for the American future, not like Mm. we've got to hoard all of our scarce resources because, you know, America's in decline. I think, yeah, the zero-sum thing really can permeate it so much. Um, And I saw one of those classic, you know, anti-capitalism memes. Like, it was a picture of, like, Legos. It's like, here's, you know, like, four piles of, like, four colors and then, like, you know, some place where you can put the Legos. And, like, this is capitalism. And some guy replied, like, like, what on earth are you talking about? We're literally making intelligence out of sand (laughs) right now. You know, like, silicon wafers and chips and, like, artificial intelligence. Like it's not it's not a fixed pile of Legos. It's it consistently gets you know, like people you know for years have said we're gonna run out of oil, and then the fracking was developed, and we figured out how to get oil out of you know rocks with water, and then <laughs> it just goes on and on and on and on. And we could have a we've probably and so that's how the le- that's the left scarcity. So I talked about Tucker Carlson, the right scarcity mindset, the left scarcity mindset is what you're talking about of you know. It's actually not a desirable outcome to have more houses, more cars, more low-cost food. You know, the left says that uh-huh. hurts the environment too much. And you shouldn't be having more children because that ah. is, <laughs> you're being irresponsible with the environment and whatnot. And that is, that's also thinking about, you know, this kind of fixed pie. We can't, we can't grow more. Right. Um, and so it's on, it's interesting to me that that's kind of how I see it, the root of both Mm. poles of the left and right. Yep. I'm not gonna say the whole left and right because obviously there's that's not yes. the whole yes 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 um but it does seem to be what grabs headlines what the kind of um I don't know the base of both parties the rhetoric has been lately so maybe how might how might Christians think about this mm. um what do you think Taylor I uh I mean the whole like creation motif comes to mind here especially with the non-zero sum thinking like the level of detail 
God provided level of creativity. God provided like, again, you know, we're making intelligence out of sand. Mm-hmm. I, I say intelligence loosely. Like it's not, <laughs> we're making things that can like compute numbers out of sand, which is pretty incredible. Like we had this, you know, before oil was thought of as like a propellant, it was this really annoying thing that farmers would find in their fields and just like, now my field's ruined. And then, you know, fast forward 50 years and now they're billionaires or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so just like, you know, God has provided this level of detail and creation that is consistently surprising. Um, kind of like let us loose into it. And I think just having that vision of like, okay, there's probably something else around the bend here that we just don't even know about. Yeah. Because that's what history has shown over and over and over again. And God is big enough and creative enough to not like, oh, okay, the humans, they hit the bottom. <laughs> they <laughs> tapped it out. Like, uh, I think that's one of the things that keeps me going and courage. And I guess, I don't, I don't know, on the, like the malaise feeling, I guess, you know, you've helped me be more sensitive to how people feel. <laughs> like to not discount that, right? Like if not just showing someone who's maybe struggling or his family members who are struggling, like the charts and like, no, you shouldn't feel bad. Look, you sh- here are the charts. You're actually doing better. Your car's still nicer than, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I don't know like how to help people in that situation with that feeling in that sense. Um, mm. And I think, I don't know, whatever, pursuing truth. That's what's exciting about this debate between Cass and Winship is like, okay, here's two people trying to, to get to the bottom of what's really going on. Yeah, I think you kind of nailed... I think it's a both and of how God views us. So God created us in his image. So this, he has a high view of our, of of humans. Um, And we should have a high view of one another. And, you know, my argument is that right now the political parties are arguing from a low view of human potential. So this high view of human potential, I think, is very rooted in our very creation and God's image. Um, So there's that aspect of viewing the future and Mm -hmm. our role in the kingdom of God here in that way. Um, But I do think that, like, even though God has this high view of, us as his children he also empathizes us in our empathizes with us in our struggles you know yes throughout the bible hearing humanity cry out and Mm -hmm. you know lament things -hmm. that are happening and no doubt there are bad things that happen there are struggles like this life Mm -hmm. is full of struggle we know the bible tells that we know that from experience and so kind of knowing the both and that we have a lot of Mm. you know intelligence resilience all of that that is god given but that there are also going to be times of struggle and suffering and but that's also never the end of the story for eternal reasons and right (laughs) otherwise so yeah good points stinkers and thinkers stink and think (laughs) (laughs) all right what is your stinker taylor my stinker um this book i (laughs) Uh, maybe hopefully they're not listening, but friends gave it to me because I asked them, what is the, what is a great novel about Texas? And they had like two copies of this book. This was years ago, like 2017. And they said, oh, not between brothers, best novel about Texas. So I finally picked it up like last week <laughs> after <laughs> taking it through two moves. Rachel <laughs> no is, comment on how many books Rachel is fuming. <laughs> uh, 
And it just like within the first ten pages, it launched into like this like trope. It just annoys the heck out of me. It's like the idealized kind of like romance novel aspect to keep it PG description. <laughs> where there's like, you know, man, woman, scene, we'll say in case there's young listeners. And I don't know, I put down like that. So it's just like, this is, and I, it's just like, this is stupid. <laughs> like this is not, this is not a historical novel. Like this is not real relationship. <laughs> and so now I'm going to give it away. It was like, I wasted, you know, 15 minutes and like it was almost immediate it got into it i can't this one like an award or whatever and then i was reading some other sci-fi novel did the same thing and it's just like i if you need that to get people interested maybe i'm a prude but like (laughs) yeah let's let's be like let's be realistic here let's get more creative authors come on (laughs) so no not not between uh, brothers stinks a little free library in our neighborhood will be receiving that (laughs) yeah yeah lucky lucky neighborhood (laughs) um yeah, I agree. That does kind of a, a lack of creativity in writing. Yeah. <clears throat> so my stinker is the new Jack Ryan series. Oh yeah. Oof. I, th- I was thinking. It was like, a stinker last time, wasn't it? Last season. <laughs> Probably. But we continued on. <laughs> we continued on. I want to <laughs> like it. I want to like a spy show with Jim Halpert. Yeah. <laughs> But I think that's that's the thing. When I came down to it, I was like, what was not good about the show? The casting. You think? Every I, I just I didn't believe any character was like a good fit for it. I, I don't know if it was the casting or like the delivery of lines or like a combination, like the lines didn't match the people and their roles. It just none of it's convincing to me. None of the characters are like convincing to me that they would be that type of person in real life. Yeah. Or, you know, writing was so bad. In a real scenario. But is it the writing or is it like the character that delivers it? I like the, um, you know, his, his buddy. Cause he's from the wire, which he refused to watch. <laughs> so I have like an attachment to that actor. I love that show. <laughs> but yeah, I just, yeah, not convincing. Yeah. And then they, like the annoying thing that it does, like it's always flipping scenes and locations, and it has this little like you know text thing at the bottom, like they have like Jim's spy. backyard. No. Yeah, yeah, it was just like random, like Shunshin Port, in Myanmar. Is this how I'm supposed to like know where the heck that is? Like, <laughs> yeah. Maybe I should. You know, Myanmar is a wonderful country full of God's people, but like I have no idea. Like it doesn't help me at all to like name the port. Yeah. And then it like like go like Bakersfield, California, or there was one that was like. You know, something high school, Washington D.C. Like I don't even know where that is, and we live here. Like, yeah, it was just like, yeah, weird. It wasn't wasn't great. Stinks. My <laughs> stinks. My thinker, related but unrelated, is I love that the movies are back, like movie theater experiences. They and are. We went on a date to Mission Impossible. Oh, I feel that's like true. This is the first time there's been like a lot of blockbusters. We went back. Summer. Um, and Mission Impossible was like just as enjoyable as all the old ones are. That's true. So, yeah, it was it was good. I would I'd watch it again. I enjoyed it. <laughs> you would Tom Cruise like ageless. tonight. Tonight you would watch it again. I would. Wow. Okay. Um. <laughs> anyway, uh, what was my thinker? My thinker is the Bear. Everyone's talking about the Bear, the show on Hulu. Uh, season two just finished that one. I think the episode about the fishes was just incredibly well choreographed version of like family conflict. 
which is really, really well done with surprising actors. Mm. I need to watch it. It was Everyone's like, talking about it. It had all like, you know, this mental health stuff in it, but it wasn't like Ted and they had done the annoying way, like Ted Lasso. It was like very real. And there's cooking too. I know. I need, I need to watch it. Yeah, but it's really good. Anyway, thanks for listening. Catch you next time.